Blog Talk Radio. And thank you for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. We are the show that tackles some pretty tough topics sometimes. And um, we are tackling, I think, a pretty tough topic today. Um, We have had uh, a huge, huge backlash in this country and actually all the way around the world on the abortion issue, uh, one like I haven't seen for decades, and that's been going on for quite some time. And regardless of your feelings on abortion, and I have to, I have to be honest uh, with, with our guest, I think abortion is horrible. I'm not anti-abortion, because sometimes I think the horrible decision is still the better decision. And I think that that's between uh, her mother, you know, her mother, between her, a woman and her own conscience, her own higher power, her own whatever. I, it's not up to me to make that decision for her. But I, I certainly empathize with people who think abortion is horrible. I, I, I can empathize with that. So um, join us. Don't feel like you're going to be um, um, berated for your, your feelings one way or the other. Um, nevertheless, despite my feelings, I also feel that it's, crucial that we not legislate against abortion, and it's crucial that we not punish women uh, for things that we as a culture or as a society might perceive as some sort of abortion attempt, and that's what we're seeing, and that's what we're talking about this week. Um, My guest is Rachel Berkson. Thank you, Rachel, for being with us. Um, Oh, you're welcome. Are you there? Good. Um, I I Rachel, tell us a little yeah, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you and and your background and your job with NARAL right now. Yeah, I'm the executive director of NARAL Pro Choice Washington. My background is as a, a political organizer. I've worked in low income communities. I've worked um, across Washington State, and also, which is I'm I'm from here from Seattle. I also worked in New York doing political and organizing work, and really worked before I came and worked uh, for NARAL Pro Choice Washington. I worked more in the economic justice world than uh, reproductive rights and justice, which is what I'm working in now. And I, I see a really uh, distinct intersection between those two issues. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, and um, I think that um, it, it's just, you know, no matter how you look at the topic of abortion, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, it's a tough one on a personal level. It's a tough one on a political level. It's a tough topic. Nevertheless, we got to deal with it. And um, one of the things that really has been um, in in my radar lately and in the news is how much we are, especially in the, like in the middle states. But um, we had uh, Rita Henley Jensen on last week, or maybe the week before, week last week, I think, and we talked about the situation for women in the, in the world. And I got to tell you, there are countries in this world that are are really um, jumping on this anti-abortion bandwagon more so than they have in in twenty twenty five years, I think. So, um, wow. What, what we're talking about today, and um, what I, what particularly triggered this show for me, is the situation in Indiana. Indiana is a funny state. We've been hearing a lot about it lately um, for other issues, but apparently Indiana is also pretty tough when it comes to abortion, abortion restriction, and, and abortion interpretation. And um, the reason I use that word interpretation is because we're seeing all sorts of situations where, well, let's just jump into it. There's a woman named Pervy Patel, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, in Indiana. And she is 33 years old. And she was accused of feticide. Now, if you haven't been keeping up with the news, you may not be familiar with that particular word. But feticide is a word that they came up with um, to describe women who kill their fetuses. Feticide, like in infanticide and homicide. Um, and I, I'm quite frankly confused. I mean, when it is it abortion, which is legal in this country, and when is it feticide, and who gets to decide, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Pervy Patel, 33 years old, um, there's a whole big story, and, and you can kind of see how they might come up with different interpretations of what happened, but basically the gist of it is that um, she had a miscarriage, and the baby died, 
and they arrested her, and they tried her for feticide, in other words, for aborting her own baby. And um, apparently there is a law against that. Um, if, if Pervy would have gone to a doctor to abort her baby, it probably would have been legal, depending on other restrictions that the state puts on it. But um, uh, the state said, no, this wasn't a miscarriage. This was a purposely induced miscarriage, and therefore it's feticide, and therefore we are sending you to jail for, there's different reports, maybe you know, Rachel, I've seen 20 years and I've seen 40 years. How I think, long I think 20 said? years is, is tw- 20 years. 20 years. Okay. Well, then apo- yeah. um, my apologies to our listeners because in our promo I put in um, uh, 40 years because that's one of the stories that I saw that said 40 years. Oh. But what, what's the deal here? I mean, why is, why is, why can you go to an abortion, have an abortion, from a doctor or a medical professional, and that's legal, again, depending on the restrictions that each particular state puts on it, when and all that kind of stuff, but you couldn't do it yourself. I mean, I'm assuming that, okay, let's let's assume that Indiana's right. Let's assume that she did do something or take something or whatever to induce this miscarriage. Um, why why is that illegal if she would have gone to somebody else to have it done? I mean, why the brouhaha and why that long sentence? But you know what? Let, before we do that, Rachel, before I let you answer, I'm going to throw out our phone number, 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. And um, if you'd like to go to the website and click on chat, you can actually just um, type in a question if you want to chat while we're on the air, and I can read your question for you if you're shy about being on the air. So, Rachel, help me out here. What's the situation with Pervy, and why is she in so much trouble? You know, um, I I wish I could answer that question. I mean, I think this is incredibly <laughs> traumatic and frightening. I think this is part of the war on women. I think, you know, even folks, whatever your personal feelings are on abortion, I think that most people do not want to see women locked up in prison, which is What's happening? I mean, Pervy Patel is the first woman who has been charged with feticide. Um, uh, or I'm sorry, so other is this a new thing she's that they've just come up with? She's the, yes, the and she's the first. Is- and she's the first woman to be convicted and sentenced. So this is, and, and I do need to point out, you know, there's no proof. And, and, and I think in, in some ways this doesn't matter, but there's no proof that she did attempt to end her own pregnancy. Um, but, and so essentially what we're seeing here is a woman criminalized for having a miscarriage, which um, speaking as a mother um, is, and as a woman is, is just incredibly frightening and feels unjust. And I think this is, um, I think that the majority of folks can can relate to that feeling. Um, <clears throat> so I think this is just another another way to um, you know really to try to get at this get at controlling women's um, and when, whether, how, and with whom we start families. And I think fundamentally we are not going to have true gender equality until women are granted that right. And I think well, it's th- these kind of laws the- are taking it to the next level. Well, according to the New York Times uh, magazine article, mm-hmm. and I tend mm-hmm. to still give some credibility to the New York Times, um, the it was a late it was late she was late in her pregnancy. I'm mm-hmm. not sure exactly how far along, but she was it was a late term miscarriage, mm-hmm. and apparently what triggered the whole thing is she went to an emergency room, and she told the doctor she'd had a miscarriage. She was bleeding, and so she went to the the emergency room. Well, bingo, this triggered the doctors into all sorts of uh, behaviors, and they notified the police because they asked her what, where the, 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 the fetal remains were, where the baby was. And she said she didn't know what to do, so she put it in a bag and left it in a dumpster. Well, ding, 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 ding. I mean, that's really obviously a stupid thing to do mm-hmm. um, on her part. But, and but so, I would say, does that mean all she should go to jail? Do, do you think she should well, go to Well, no. I mean, I that? agree you know, with you, I mean, but what I'm saying is, is I can kind of understand why some some bells were rung, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I mean, most women who've had a miscarriage, myself included, you wouldn't even dream of, of putting remains in a garbage bag and putting it in a dumpster. Um, so that 
rang bells. Okay, I'll I'll buy that. You know, okay. Um, but the two things about that that really concern me. One is um, just because she did that, as you said, doesn't mean she killed the baby on purpose. And secondly, of all. What's the role, and we're going to talk about this later in the show, what is the role of the doctors in the emergency room on notifying police in situations like this? What What is their role? So we're going to get into that a little bit later um, because there have been a lot of situations where somebody's gone to an emergency room for help and they end up getting into big-time trouble with police because uh, emergency room personnel notify police for something that they consider to be suspicious. So, okay, so right away I can understand something being triggered in this woman's situation because she she put the the fetal remains in a a dumpster. I mean, that's really dumb. But then when they investigated this woman, apparently they found some texts that she made uh, to a friend that she had ordered pills to induce an abortion from a pharmacy in Hong Kong. And my understanding is, is that she didn't, you know, there's no evidence that she actually took these pills, and even if they there were, is that illegal? I don't know. Um, but getting all the, all the way down to it, I mean, so I guess what I'm saying is, this woman made some really weird choices. Um, police thought that they were on to Jack the Ripper, you know, when they started investigating her, um, and then they took her to trial on this feticide bill, and boom, twenty years. I, I know here in Washington, and you're in Washington State too, Rachel, I, one of the, there was a man in my neighborhood about 15 years ago who killed his wife, carried her around in his, the trunk of his car for three days while he continued to take his children to soccer games, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. He got 15 years. I mean, <laughs> where is the sense here? <laughs> I think you make. Yeah, a I know it's hard point. to even. I think you make come up. You know, it's, it's hard. It it actually also reminds me. I don't know if you remember this case that happened back in September. I'm trying to remember all the details. I know it happened in September. A mother um, was actually put in jail for helping her daughter um, access uh, an abortion uh, uh, abortion pill um, because they didn't have access in Pennsylvania, and she was then the mother was then put in jail um, for uh, helping her daughter. And so I think this is, um, uh, and I think the mother wasn't even aware that it was illegal in Pennsylvania, but put in jail for helping, trying to help her daughter who, her daughter who didn't want to be pregnant and didn't want to be a teenage mother. And some folks would say that's the right and responsible decision for her. Um, so I think that, you know, I, it's like looking at, at, at all these laws, um, these specific criminalization of women, um, whether it's making it more difficult to access the procedure or whether it's making it more difficult to even access contraception. I think this is all part of one coordinated strategy um, that's making it more and more difficult for women to control their reproductive rights and freedom, which then in turn uh, doesn't allow women to really be full participants in society. So they do you can't think that we're looking at some sort of children. backlash here uh, of, um, I mean, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm an old duffer, and I remember back in the 70s where, you know, I mean, pregnancy resulting from sexual activity was perceived as some sort of just and divine uh, punishment for the woman. And um, in other words, well, you played and you fooled around, and so this is what you get, and mm-hmm. you deserve this pregnancy. You know, I mean, it wasn't perceived as... I mean, it was perceived as some sort of punishment for a woman. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, do you, is that what you think we're going to ne- back to now? Absolutely. I mean, where we're... Absolutely. I think we are going back uh, to that place. And, you know, I think we're we're working hard to, to, to... I think in some ways we've moved forward and in some ways we haven't. I, I was actually talking to my mom, who's a long time been an activist for uh, you know what? Your cell phone is cutting in and out. Could we get you to? Uh, I apologize. Let me let me see if this does this help at all. Here, is this a yep, better? Yep, right there is good. So if okay. you're standing on your Perfect. head or and you just 
stay there for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> okay, I will, and, and I apologize for that. I was just saying that I was talking to my mother who, you know, um, had an abortion before Roe versus Wade passed, has long been an advocate for reproductive rights and access. We were talking about the attack on contraception, and she was just so perplexed. Like, didn't isn't this a fight that we won? Women, 99% yes. of women access contraception, right? You perception at some point in their life and yet we're still fighting over whether or not we should have access to contraception so i think coming back to your point um is 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 this uh you know hey you had sex and now you're pregnant and that's your punishment um for doing absolutely of the equation here yeah, and, and I don't know why. Well, let's just do a little he- review here. Um, I have an article uh, from Feminist Newswire, which I think is a, a, a decent publication online, and it is dated February this year, and it's on um, uh, different laws that are being produ- you know, introduced during uh, the beginning of this year. Now, I didn't do the research to find out how many of these had actually passed, but um, I know that there's been a whole lot of activity uh, regarding reproduction and abortion across um, the country. Um, in Washington State, now these, I think, uh, did not pass, but we still have, you know, a couple weeks. But I think, I don't think they, I don't know. Uh, in our you're, state, you're, they introduced... You're yeah. right, none of them have passed, but I think it's worth noting yeah. what's been introduced. Yeah, um, so they introduced one uh, that was a personhood legislation, um, and that there's been several of them, and that grants full personhood um, from the moment of conception, and uh, then, of course, that did not pass, and that was introduced in other legislatures. I think some people routinely introduce those every single legislative session in some states. Another bill uh, required notification of a parent of a minor seeking an abortion, about 48 hours before the abortion takes place. That didn't pass. Um, and uh, in uh, Arizona, they passed or they want, they introduced a bill to eliminate insurance coverage for abortion care. Um, now it's in the federal legislation, federal health care legislation, that um, they fund abortion, isn't it? Um, that they, I'm, missing, I'm, I'm sorry, it's... That that they that insure, insurers cover abortion um, coverage, cover they, abortion it, it, expenses. It is it, it actually it's been banned. It's pretty complicated. So it's been banned in some state health exchanges. It definitely is not mandated that um, okay. that insurance right. companies have to cover abortion. And in fact, in in several states, okay. they have outlawed it in the state exchanges, which is that piece of health care okay. reform. Okay. Well, in Arizona, um, they uh, 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 put forth a bill to eliminate insurance coverage of abortion care afterwards. Um, And the current uh, law in Arizona is that it bans health insurance coverage for abortion unless a person buys an additional rider and pays Mm -hmm. an additional premium. Um, mm-hmm. There are no exceptions, but there um, uh, they introduced uh, this this bill that they introduced uh, would eliminate the optional rider, so you wouldn't even be able to buy that. Um, right. In South Carolina, they introduced a 20-week abortion ban, uh, which said that um, they uh, would ban abortion after 20 weeks. And uh, the reason they chose that is because they, they the the people who sponsored the bill said that at 20 weeks fetuses can uh, experience pain, which you know I don't think anybody has actually determined that. Uh, in Minnesota, they had five different anti-abortion bills that banned Medicaid and other public health programs from covering abortion services. Um, they required abortion clinics to be licensed. Um, they would inc- uh, include um, abortion uh, state inspections with no warning. Uh, make uh, let me see. Da, da, da. Um, anyway, so there, there's just a slew of them that were introduced and have been introduced, and, and um, uh, you'd have to, you know, really spend a great deal of time trying to figure out whether any of these or all of them have passed. I know we did a show on um, uh, some legislation earlier this year that was proposed in Missouri and Mississippi that would restrict that. Um, They've already passed a lot of laws uh, in some states that basically, I mean, somebody, the woman that we had who was talking about Missouri uh, said that basically they only had one abortion clinic in, uh, in the entire state 
that if women uh, wanted an abortion, they would either have to go to a private physician or they'd have to go out of state. So um, we've been seeing these these kinds of things. But this whole feticide thing that Indiana came up with, that, I mean, to me, that's like creating, that's a whole new word, you know, feticide. Who, <laughs> you know, did we even have that word a year ago? I don't think we did. Um, yeah. So, no. you know, it's like, go ahead. Oh, no, please, please finish. Oh, it, I mean, it, I it's, think it's, a- it's like, <laughs> go ahead, Rachel. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's really, I mean, I think it's part of this, um, what is known as the personhood movement, where there's really sort of a generated in the anti-choice movement to give um, rights to fetuses the moment they're, con- you know, um, the, at the moment of conception. So this is part of criminalizing pregnancy and pregnancy and, um, and turning women in some ways into incubators, I would say. Um, and I think this is, this is a piece of that movement. And you saw this last year, personhood was on the ballot um, in Colorado um, for the, I think the fifth year in a row. I don't, I'm not sure, but it's been on the ballot for several years, defeated every time it was defeated again when it goes to the ballot. Um and but you know I mean folks keep on coming back um, and trying to refine their strategy. Um, just I think another tactic of the anti-choice movement. Wow, um, and you know I, I I think that you know what makes me what comes to mind with all of this is you know many years ago uh, maybe a decade ago oh even more so than that because uh, they were doing it when I was pregnant and I have a kid that's that's 28 years old um, and. The, you know, like the smoking and alcohol. You know, we knew long mm-hmm. ago that pregnant women should not smoke. They shouldn't drink alcohol. Um, and, you know, there were public education campaigns and all that kind of stuff. And then pretty soon you started seeing people being women, um, like in a restaurant who would have a glass of wine and waitresses would come and berate them. And, you know, I, I, I mean, it became like a public issue to make sure that pregnant women didn't do anything risky. Did you, Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm okay, Rachel, we're losing you again. So we just lost oh, what you said. Oh my goodness! You out with- I was just just trying to be in the same the same exact spot, standing on my head here. Um, yeah, it's, it's like women become uh, all of a sudden you're in the public domain, and lots of folks who may or may not have medical knowledge have a lot of advice to give you and and judgment to pass when you're pregnant. And I think we yeah. we also see it. I mean, I think an unfortunate piece too is we don't, as a society, don't do a very good job supporting pregnant women in any case, um, whether it's through prenatal care. Um, you know, when you're pregnant, you need really great health care. Not everybody has access to that. Um, and so, you know, I think you know, how we look at the issue is trying to see how can we support women in whatever choices they're making with their pregnancy and whatever situation they might be in. Um, and I think we as a society are not doing a very good job of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, so one of the things, so so we're going around and, and there was another situation uh, also in Indiana where um, uh, a woman, um, gosh, what did she, oh, she she was um, suicidal. The woman was suicidal. And mm-hmm. she attempted suicide. She was not successful, thank goodness. She, she, you know, lived through her suicide attempt. However, she was pregnant. And she was arrested and charged with uh, harming her, doing harm to her fetus. Mm-hmm. I, and it's like, really? You know, I mean, the poor woman is so depressed and, and, and that she's suicide, and, and we're going to arrest her for harming her fetus. I mean, I don't even know if she knew she was pregnant. I don't even, you know, I mean, it's like, Wow. <laughs> You can't do anything if you happen to have this little thing inside you that's triggered. You know, I, I, it, it, you become public property or something. I don't, I don't understand that. Um, yep, and a piece I don't, of I don't, the story we, a piece of the story we don't hear is that woman was her husband had left her, or her boyfriend had left her, was no longer going to be with her. I mean, she clearly was going through a lot, and to then after attempting suicide, thank goodness, not successfully, to then be convicted. I think she eventually got out on a plea deal, um, but is, you know, I think 
just another another piece of the puzzle here. Say that again. And, and it's just another. Unfortunately, it's another piece of this of this puzzle that we've been talking about um, uh, uh, today. About you know, just again, criminalizing pregnancy and you know, not not supporting pregnant women. Well. Let me let me let me edit that. It's not criminalizing pregnancy. It's criminalizing anything less than ideal pregnancy. Exactly, and I, I think that's right. I think, and I think pregnancy is a tricky thing as well. I, I my son was born prematurely. They're not sure why. Um, lot there's just a lot of different things can happen during pregnancy, and I think um, as we as these laws are, are passing judgment or making determinations, I think that aren't necessarily in the best interest of, of the mother or, you know, and in some cases of the child. And I think it's really troubling. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I, you know, and as I said, I, I feel I'm very um, wide open in my interpretations of, of abortion and, and, uh, you know, I mean, I can certainly understand and and appreciate how somebody would think, you know, that this is awful and blah blah blah. Um, I, I I get that, um, but it seems to me that um, there's not a lot of that appreciation of both aspects and and the willingness to let people make their own choices. I, I, I that doesn't seem to be a universal characteristic. If you'd like and to join think, us, help me out. I mean, if you feel strongly and you think you can sway me one way or the other on this issue, give me a call. Tell me. 646-378-0430. 646-378-0430. Or click on the chat room and uh, type something into the chat room, and I will uh, be happy to read your question. Um, one of the questions that actually right now, Rachel, that we do have in the chat room is, um, mm-hmm. is there a time frame for what they're calling feticide? And I wish I knew. I I don't know that. Do you know that? I don't know that. And I'm pretty certain that the laws vary state by state. So I am not certain um, what the time frame is. That is an interesting question. I mean, I think... You know, one point I just I wanted to make based on what you were saying earlier is, you know, I think what we found is whatever folks' personal feelings about abortion are, they certain seven out of ten Americans, whether you're in Indiana or Kansas or Washington State, do support a woman's right to make her own decision. And I think what's interesting and troubling to think about is how you know, our nation really is being swept by, um, you know, a number of these anti-choice laws. And part of it is, you know, a great coordinated strategy um, on the other side. But I think our elected officials are really out of step with, you know, where where the public is in a broad sense. As well, that's not, certainly not, this isn't the first issue where that has happened. Uh, you know, I mean, I can name you a dozen issues where the, you know, general public feels one way, but the politicians are voting another way. Um, Absolutely. You know, you know, I mean, the general public makes its opinion based on its life experiences. The politicians make their exper- make their choices based on their life experiences and their political goals and their funding sources. And you know, do I sound do, do I sound uh, jaded in my opinions of politicians here, Rachel? <laughs> I think you're jaded, and that you are correct. Um, and I think that you know, I think. What I would encourage people is to make sure to vote uh, and to let their politicians know how they feel. And I think, you know, just here in Washington, you know, I'm thinking of Washington State, and we're one of the most pro-choice states in the country um, in in the grading that NARAL Pro-Choice America does right after California. However, um, we aren't able to advance legislation to tackle some pretty serious problems that are happening in our state. Um, so we can't, and, you know, if we're not able to really move the ball forward, then, you know, we're really moving backwards because access to health care is changing enormously, um, and it's it's troubling. So I guess I'm drawing the parallel here that even in a state like Washington State, we're not able to move the ball forward, um, and that is incredibly 
troubling. Yeah, yeah. Um, women are not involved in politics as much as we should be. We don't run for office enough. We're not represented enough. Is it still, I, I haven't checked after the lat, lat, latest round of elections, but, um, you know, Congress is, is approximately 18% women. Um, you know, the general population is about 51% women. Um, and I think, you know, my personal opinion is we don't do it because we're too damn busy, you know. <laughs> you know and and the studies also show it's because women haven't been asked. And it's part of a, you know, we need to make sure we're supporting women and, and building up self-esteem. And absolutely we need more women to run for office and to get involved in politics and to vote um, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, we don't, I mean, honestly, we don't just want uh, men to be making these decisions about our body. If they're going to legislate, um, we better make sure that there are some women in office. And we certainly have some great champions who have been pretty successful uh, at least stopping some bad things from happening. But I think we need to get a critical mass if we're we're really going to turn this tide. You know, I've been thinking about my, I had a, a death in my extended family a couple of weeks ago. And so I went back and uh, visited with extended family and and thought about my dad. He's been dead for for quite some time now, but my dad was the only boy with um, six sisters. My father wow. had the most <laughs> feminist feminist outlook on life. Yeah, he gave each one of them a boy's name. So you know, I, I talk with my cousins and I say, "Well, Aunt Pete did such and such." They go, "Aunt Pete," and I went, "Aunt Luella." Aunt Luella did, <laughs> but my dad gave them all boys' names so he wouldn't be the only boy. Um, <laughs> and at least in name. And um, uh, he was such a cool dad. He was the first feminist that I ever met. And he was a uh, he worked pouring iron in a foundry. He worked in uh, you know car repair. I mean he he did you know the macho type work. And he was a, a a big man. And he was you know I mean he he just fit the stereotype of the perfect macho you know 60s and 70s dad. But he was a feminist. He would not have told you he was a feminist because he wouldn't have known what that meant. But I remember being a girl in the early 70s when abortion was first being, you know, really, you know, we were looking at legislation and all that kind of stuff. And I asked my dad how he felt. And he said, well, the way I figure it, when men get to have the babies, that's when we can have a word on this. It should be for the women to decide. (laughs) And that was, you know, uh, my dad, who was born in 1914. Um, you know, wow, what happened to that attitude, you know? <laughs> yeah. The people you know, who are affected by this make this decision. To me, that's such a simple, <laughs> it's such a simple thing. Absolutely. And, such a simple thing. And yet, when it, yeah, and yet when it comes to this, you know, I, I suppose everybody feels they have a stake in it because we're talking, you know, human race or something, I suppose. I don't know. I was telling my son, um, I said, well, you know, I I think I really do. I think abortion is terrible. I think it's awful. But there's a lot of things that are awful and terrible that we sometimes have to do, and it's still the better choice. So I don't think I should be taking that choice away from anybody. And yes, I have had an abortion in my lifetime. Um, and um, I said I don't understand why people feel like you know that, that why they can't just let. Okay, for me it's murder, so I won't have an abortion. For you it's not. So da da. And my son said. Well, we can't do that with like if somebody goes in and and you know um, murders a store clerk. That's clearly murder. We can't say well for me it wasn't murder, but for but it's different, isn't it? Because we really don't know when. I mean, there's so many interpretations throughout history of when life begins. Is it when you first take your first breath? Is it when you feel the quickening? I mean, throughout the centuries we've come up all these different things. So it isn't the same. It's it is open to interpretation, and. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I started preaching that, but I did. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there because it's you. my show, and I get to. You. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about also with you, Rachel, briefly before we segue into this healthcare issue in general, is yesterday in our Seattle Times there was an article about Narrow, the organization you're, re- you're representing today, and they did a survey um, over several months 
of the major 11, uh, I guess it was eight, there are eight different healthcare companies that are managing um, uh, the the Accessible Care Act in Washington State that are making insurance policies available through the state and through the federal legislation. And there are rules about health, uh, about what birth control issues, okay, um, mm-hmm. uh, in the legislation. And Narrell, and I think um, I think it was just you guys, or did you go in with somebody to do this? this with um, Northwest Health Law Advocates. Northwest Health okay. Law Advocates. Okay, and so basically what you did is you went, okay, let's double check and see what consumers are being told when they call these different um, plans, uh, companies that are offering health care plans, what are consumers being told about birth control and its coverage under the plan? Tell us what, what the survey found out. Well, and, uh, yeah, I think it's important to note we were doing secret shopping. So folks were shopping as though they were shopping for birth control for themselves. And as you mentioned, um, through the Affordable Care Act, insurers are required to provide contraception at no cost, so with no co-pays or co-insurance. And what we found was um, that every single insurance company gave inaccurate information and misinformation, um, telling women that they did indeed need to pay for certain forms of contraception, um, particularly forms like the NuvaRing or um, an IUD that are more expensive and also probably the most effective forms of birth control. Um, So, uh, you know, luckily this report caught the attention of the Office of the Insurance Commissioner, which is the office that regulates insurance companies, and he pulled um, us advocates and the insurers together to make a plan to to right those right those wrongs, and we're going to continue to monitor them. But you know, we're we're putting a call so out for just, stories for anyone who yeah. who has just to been be clear. So what what mm-hmm. the what the Affordable mm-hmm. Care Act says is, you provide health insurance, you have to provide birth control free. Boom. Correct. And, um, and, and I think and, any FDA FDA approved forms of birth control that you'd get a prescription for. So yes. So anything, you know, approved birth control, yeah. traditional birth control yes. in yes. its mer- yes. various forms, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Does that apply to men, too? Because they do have um, some. some this, this study focused on, on the piece for women. Um, yeah, I know it did. So I was just, that just popped not, yeah. into my mind. Yeah. I mean, is this, you know, yeah. can, you know, if and when, you know, I mean, they've been promising it for it's 85 scary. years, but if and when mm-hmm. they actually come up with birth control, that methodologies that men can use other than condoms, will they, you know, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's just me rambling. Let we'll, me be. I'll we'll be have over to tackle that um, issue. That's something, and it's something we certainly have thought about, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Okay. Um, and, um, okay, so the, the, the Affordable Care Act says that if you provide uh, health insurance policies for people, that certain things are covered just under your membership and your monthly fee for being enrolled in that insurance program. And one of those things is birth control. And yet your research showed you had people call, your mystery shoppers call up and say, okay, what does this plan cover? I'm interested in joining, you know, buying this plan. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it do for birth control? And in every single case, the callers were told that there would be some sort of cost on their part for birth control. All, whether it be a copay or, or or whatever, um, and I'm mm-hmm. assuming also maybe part of a deductible. You know, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. and that's inaccurate. Okay, so what does this mean? Do you think for the people who have been covered? Do you think there's going to be a, like a big lawsuit from people who've been covered and been paying a copay or something for their? Yeah, you know, I can't speak to legal action, um, but I think, you know, we're going to continue to monitor this. And, and, you know, uh, there have been some complaints filed with the Office of the Insurance Commissioner. We put out a call for stories of folks who may be paying right now for birth control. um, And we've been getting a really, really strong response of folks that and unfortunately are, and we're working with them now to figure out the, the correct remedies. But I think the first step is really educating folks on this new provision of the Affordable Care Act um, and making sure that consumers know what they're entitled to. 
Okay, if we have no a listener who session. wants to contact you with a with a, a story or with a, a personal situation, where how can they contact you, Rachel? Um, the best place is at our website, which is ProChoiceWashington.org. Okay, ProChoiceWashington.org. So if you have a, a, a situation where you were charged for birth control through your insurance carrier under the Affordable Care Act, um, then you can go ahead and, and um, uh, go to that website, ProChoiceWashington.org or com? .org, org. Dot .org, uh, prochoicewashington.org, yep. and you can file your information there and become part of this larger larger movement to, direct, to uh, take care of this problem. So, okay, so I, I thought that that study was really good, and um, I, 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 I hope that there are other advocacy groups that will do the same thing with other issues. Um, I, I have, you know, one of my little hot buttons is um, last time I went to my, my physician, I said, gee, you know, I haven't had a pap smear in a long time, and my mother died of cancer, my sister died of cancer, my maternal grandmother died of cancer, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I think I need, you know, a, 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 I should have a pap smear. And she said, oh, no, you're 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 too old. And I went, what? And she said, no, because that cancer is for, no. really, seriously. And she said, no, it's been decided that that type of cancer is so slow growing that after a certain age you don't need to have that pap smear done anymore because the cancer will grow so slowly. And I'm thinking, well, shit, I've got another 30, 40 years for me. I mean, I would think, how slow growing is this cancer? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> really? Because <laughs> if it's going to take 20 years, then I think I'm going to get gypped. I want the test, you know I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, oh my goodness. You know, and I think that there are so many. You know, when we changed the whole healthcare um, um, procedures for distribution of healthcare and accessibility of healthcare, we also changed a lot of rules and and standards for healthcare. And I don't think any of us has been talking about that. And I think we really need to, because really, because like, I mean, what if I'm sitting here right now perking with 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 cervical cancer? Um, how slow and is you, slow growing? And you can't get the test. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So so how slow is slow growing? Because I figure i got at least another 30 years. So what if it's a 10-year <laughs> growing cancer? Does that mean that I'm out of luck? I mean, who decides when I've lived long enough? <laughs> anyway, so, wow. yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> there should be all sorts of advocacy groups out there looking at these things. Um and and getting more information and letting the pe- letting people know you know letting people know that's the the important thing. So when we talked Absolutely. earlier, Rachel, we talked about the big situation with Pervy Patel, and one of the things and and again I'm referring to a New York Times uh, magazine article by Emily Bazelon Bazelon and I'm going to quote her because I think this is really important. Uh, and this is in the Pervy Patel situation. If one mm-hmm. lesson of the case is about the legal risk of inducing your own late-term abortion, but another is about the peril of trying to get medical help when you are bleeding and in pain. The peril of trying to get medical help. And I have seen story after story after story, whether it be uh, parents with a child or um, um, uh, you, you name it, where they go to a hospital, they try, they're trying to get help for a situation, and bingo, all of a sudden police are brought in, their child is taken away. You know, there was a famous case back east somewhere where the girl had been under medical care. She had some sort of obscure disease, and she'd been under medical care uh, at one hospital for years. She was like a 12-year-old girl or something. And she was and one day something happened to the girl, so they took her to the emergency room at the other hospital. The other hospital, Glomzon, decides that the first hospital, that this girl really didn't have this disease, that in fact she was being abused by her parents, blah, blah, blah. And they, t- they ended up taking the girl away. And they had to fight for about a wow. year to get that girl back. You know, and I've seen this over and over and over again where somebody goes to a hospital for care and whammo, hospitals perceive themselves as... Um, police department or something, um, and and we see this frequently when it comes to issues like Pervy Patel. She went because she was bleeding, and the next thing she knows, police are there, and she's being arrested and charged with feticide. What's the deal with health care? And maybe this isn't in your purview, but I did warn you that I was going to ask about this. Um, what, what's the deal 
with health care and women and and you know what is this i mean is this big brother is this uh, you know health care reform what is happening here you know I, I i can't i don't think i can answer that question as much as i would like to i think you know one thing i did want well, to mention though is here and we'll I'll give my opinion that that's very troubling, of course, because if you can't rely on getting the medical care um, you need that in a confidential and supportive way, then that, you know, where where are we living um, and how can folks rely on being healthy? Um, I think here in here in our state, we have a an issue and it's happening in, uh, in states around the country where um, Catholic they're they're Catholic hospitals. Um, so these are yep. hospitals that are. Um, you know, they, they have to abide by Catholic doctrine, um, which is not necessarily the best standards of care, um, but set by, by bishops. Um, and uh, here in our state, almost 50% of the hospital beds in Washington state are under uh, a Catholic hospital. This is partially because as smaller hospitals have shut down, um, uh, larger hospitals have bought them out and, and taken over. Um, but this has a, an incredible impact on access to care um, because, you know, some of the things folks, they don't, you know, they, they don't provide care that you would imagine that, that you would get at a hospital. If you, um, We've heard a lot of stories of women who have had ectopic pregnancies. That's when a pregnancy develops in a fallopian tube, and that won't be a viable pregnancy. Um, it won't, the, the pregnancy, it can't, the, the fetus can't grow there. And, um, and worst case scenarios, it can actually kill the mother. Um, and there's a way where you can take a pill and that will dissolve that um, pregnancy. Um, yeah, the, the, and you, the, you the know pregnancy it's isn't in the uterus. It's not, it, it won't it's be It's not in the uterus. It will not yeah. be sustained, and it can really be damaging to the health of a mother. It, there's a very non-invasive procedure where you can give a, a pill, and it, that will dissolve the, the 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 you know the trying to form fetus, although it won't be a viable pregnancy. Or you know another way to treat it is to actually remove the fallopian tube, which is a much more invasive procedure. Um, and that we've heard of folks who instead of just you know, getting the pill, that would be a much less invasive, much less damaging form of care. Folks are having their fallopian tubes removed because um, at these Catholic hospitals, they're saying, you know, that um, that that would be, you know, that goes against their doctrine and they can't give that pill to people and they have to do the more invasive procedure that could be more damaging and, and more risky and for the mother. And fertility. We also... And future for exactly future fertility, which is incredibly troubling. We're also hearing stories from recently. I heard a story from a woman who, you know, she has cancer um, and she's being treated with chemotherapy. She has breast cancer. She got pregnant. She didn't want to be pregnant, and um, because she knew that the chemotherapy might impact the baby, she didn't want to be pregnant right now. She wasn't able to get um, to get an abortion um, at in her local area um and she eventually was Is able to get washington? the abortion she was the, it was not that rural olympia she lives in olympia washington um so wow. down the i5 corridor in our state capital um and then she wanted to get an iud put in um because after that happened because she didn't want to get pregnant and wanted to do the responsible thing and they the same hospital uh, would not put in an IUD because they didn't believe in that form of contraception. Um, so they just said to her, well, maybe you're just going to have to get pregnant again, which for a woman who's ah! struggling with breast cancer is horrifying. Um, I think, yeah. and, and we're just really concerned about, you know, the impact of care this can have, whether it's access to contraception, abortion, whatever. Um, we're hearing more and more cases of this and wanting to find a way to make sure that, Physicians are able to provide the best standard of care to their patients without, yeah. you know, being dictated from. from well, and I understand sources. that it's tough. If I don't, you know, if I don't believe in abortion, if I believe abortion is murder, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. why should I be forced to perform an abortion? Um, but the yeah. problem is, is that when we have no other options in an ideal world, this woman could have said, "Okay, Hospital A, you won't help me. I'll go to Hospital B." But the fact is we don't have Hospital A and Hospital B. We've, everything has merged because of costs and exactly. because of, of exactly. health care reform, and we're trying to um, uh, uh, 
unify and compress and compact and make make uh, everything so uh, cost effective that we're we're ending up, as you said, with all of these. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, you know, like I have my I have my theory that there are five people in the world that own everything. Right, <laughs> they own everything. Yeah, I think you know, it's, it's it's like Coke and Pepsi. There's two of them, and every soft drink there is is owned by one of those two. You know, and it's the same thing with healthcare. Um, you know, I, there's like three Absolutely. or four health insurance providers. There's like three or four, um, um, you know, healthcare provider institutions, and they own everything. Mm-hmm. So if you're owned, That's you know, right. if if you have A, B, and C. And A and B think that it's criminal to provide anything that would hinder the um, uh, development of a fetus, and you happen to be somewhere where there isn't a C, then you're out of luck. And if you have resources, if you have money, then you can go ahead and fly to state. You know, I mean, when I grew up as a kid in Ohio, I mean, if a woman needed an abortion, she was okay if she had money because she could fly to New York and get the abortion, right. but if she was a poor rural woman where she couldn't get out to New York, then she was SOL and she had to have have her baby. Um, so it's like everything else, you know, those folks who that have the resources also have options. But for those who do not have the resources, where are the options? And um, gosh, I wish I had some major intellect so I could say, and I have the solution to that problem. I don't. But I do think that we need to be aware of how many options are being taken away from us. And, again, we're talking about reproductive options, but there are other options, too, you know, oh, that, yeah. that oh, yeah. I can't even, are not even thinking of. Um, and I think it's, you know, I mean, it's all well and good to say, you know, okay, well, you know, we've, we've consolidated and we have uh, become cost-effective, and now look at this, look at our bottom line. Um, but how is that helping in situations, you know, where, like, I'm rambling, I'm sorry. I, I get, <laughs> save me, Rachel, from my <laughs> rambling here. <laughs> it's, it's your show, and you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely on point. I mean, I think the impact act, we're just, of course, talking about reproductive rights. Of course, there's so many other issues in healthcare that we could just, you know, don't certainly don't have time for today, although I know your podcast talks about them, you know, um, on other days. Um but, you know, I think if we just look at this one issue of 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 this, and I think you brought up a really good point of who, who has access, and we're really creating two systems, you know, one for folks who can, the few folks who can afford it, and one folks who can't, who don't have options or access. And I think, you know, what does that say about us as a society um, when we're moving in that direction? And I think, you know, the way we can try to right those wrongs is, you know, to ensure that we are, um, passing legislation that allows uh, doctors to provide the kind of care that they need to provide. Because if one doctor doesn't, you know, feel like they could perform an abortion, of course they shouldn't have to. But my guess is that there'd be another doctor in that same institution who could, um, or yeah. somewhere nearby. But unless, until um, we're, we allow folks to to make those decisions, we're not going to. Folks won't won't be able to have that access. Absolutely, and and with all of these laws, I mean, like like this woman in Indiana encounter, you know, I mean, it used mm-hmm. to be, you know, a century ago that women could help each other, women could help each other, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, just on a personal basis. Now, if you tried to do that, you, I, I feel fairly confident that you'd be slapped in jail and charged with something horrible and be looking at forty or fifty years in prison. You know, I mean, it's just like ah, it's scary. Absolutely, I, I mean, this I, is a really scary I, situation. Absolutely. And I I do want to point out that both the women who were charged in Indiana that we've talked about today were women of color. Um, And I think that, you know, that's an important thing to note. Yes, both of them were both. um, One was an Indian woman and one, I think, was a woman who was from China. And I think that's pointing out the both the economic and the racial implications of, of who's being who's being blamed here and who's being charged. Wow. Wow. Um. Well, you know, again, going back to this other article, which I find found very informative, um, the writer of the article says that um, this Pervy Patel situation is the first time she found uh, a state-level feticide law that was successfully used to punish a woman. But there have been women who have been charged with other crimes for taking, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, pills that could induce abortion. 
and some of those are available mm-hmm. on, online. And uh, it also um, astounds me that 38 of our 50 states have fetal homicide laws in place, um, which means that if you do something like attempting suicide, or if you, I, I, I mean, could this be, this could be interpreted that, okay, I don't know that I'm pregnant or I am pregnant, but it's early on and I jump out of airplanes planes routinely, and I jump out of an airplane and then I suffer a miscarriage, could I be charged with feticide? You know, should, do I have to yeah. you know, once once my once my egg is, in, is is fertilized? Do I have to just sit in a bell jar, you know, forever and you know, like Jabba the Hut, and wait for it to pop out before I can resume a life? Um, you know, these are scary things, I think. And like your mother, uh, you know, I mean, these were things that I thought were decided thirty or forty years ago. Um, so it, it's interesting. There is an organization, and I'm going to plug that, <clears throat> excuse me, called National Advocates for Pregnant Women. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with that one, Rachel. I and, am. Um, They're a fabulous organization. They, yeah, and they do a lot of work. So if you find yourself you know, uh, pregnant and facing one of these um, uh, particularly legal situations, go, go on their website, see uh, if, what resources they have for you. Um, and also, I'd also like to point out that, you know, if you're not in this situation, maybe you're past childbearing years, um, maybe, you know, you're, you, you have no intention of having a family, maybe you, you know, who knows, whatever. This affects us all. This affects us all. It affects our sisters and our daughters and, and you know, if you're young enough, your mother. Um, these are issues that affect us all. So no matter how you feel about it, it would seem to me that it would behoove us to, to as women to learn what's going on, not just in our own neighborhood but around the country, um, and also to make the connection that it's not just reproduction. It's other things, you know, like, as I, I mentioned, the pap smears and the, you know, the, become aware of what's happening with health care because some of it is pretty darn scary, I think. Rachel, what final words do you have um, for our listeners when it comes to reproductive freedom and what's going on in this country? Well, um, <laughs> how do I sum it up? Um, I think that, you know, there are, we talked about a number of troubling things that are happening. I do think that more and more folks are getting active, and I think, you know, now's the time activated, educated. If this is an issue that you care about, reproductive freedom and gender equality, then get involved. There's lots of groups that are coming together, That and I think that, you know, together we, we can turn the tide and um, lead towards a society where that, embodies the values that we share of um, people being able to make their choices and build families at the time that's right for them. Um, And don't be afraid to share your story as well, because I think, you know, the more we're able to talk about our own personal lived experience, the stronger our movement is. And thank you so much, Heather, for tackling this topic today. Oh, you're welcome. And, and as I said, you know, I don't, don't think that it's just, for you, you know, be aware that you're you're part of a much larger population out here, and um, be be aware that um, you know this this is going on and that this is something that you need to be a part of. Um, one of the things that I usually do, Rachel, is to uh, end the show with a quote, and I found so many quotes. I mean, oh my gosh, the quotes on abortion, you know, they're endless because it is a controversial topic and it's a topic that I, I don't. No matter how you feel about abortion, I don't think I have ever met anyone who doesn't feel very, very deeply that it is an important and a significant and and culturally um, uh, uh, really um, uh, significant topic, um, whether you've had an abortion, whether you're at against abortion. It doesn't matter. It, it's something that hits us all very, very strongly. And so... Um, don't just sit back and think that somebody else will will take care of things. One of the quotes that I found um, is probably not going to be... I, I, I struggle with myself, Rachel, whether or not to read this. Um, I, I have a safer quote. No woman can call herself free until she can choose consciously whether she will or will not be a mother. Mm-hmm. That, of course, is from Margaret Sanger, who fought for birth yeah. control and who had, um, you know... A, and I think that's true. Once we become mothers, once we choose to be mothers, even if we can't, whether we can't be mother, motherhood is central to all of us. Um, and I think that um, I will leave the I, I will leave the Marilyn Manson quote for another show. 
Um, but um, uh, be aware that this is not a topic that we uh, should sit back on our laurels and, and just watch what happens because it's tied into so many other things. Thank you, Rachel, for being with us. Join us next week. We're going to talk about all those rape kits that are rotting on shelves and the states that are actually doing something about it, including Washington State. So join us again next week as we uh, talk about three women, three ways, and tackle another topic. Wonderful. Thank you.